G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision 180. Live different. Different. And joining me in the studio tonight is Dan Patterson from RZIM. How, How are you doing? are you today, Dan? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, going well. It's really good to, to have a chat to you because I'm really interested in all the stuff that you do. And So I'm an ordained pastor. Uh, I would probably go under the title more of an evangelist, but certainly mm. with RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, many people look at us as an apologetics ministry. Yeah. Um, we're, we're gospel people. We prefer to be called evangelists. I often get asked, what does that even mean? Yeah. Apologist, what do, right? What apologetics. does it mean? Because I had to mean? ask Robo yesterday. I'm like, I know what apology means. Yeah, so people think it's about learning how to apologize well, and I always say, you know, that's what marriage is for. <laughs> you know, if you want to learn so it saying sorry really well, you yeah. can get married. But apologetics actually comes from a Greek word, which is what the New Testament was originally written in, of apologia, uh, which means to give a defense or to give an answer. If someone mm-hmm. would make an objection or would accuse you of something, and you stand up and you give your response, your defense, your answer. And this is really what apologetics is trying to do. It's helping people see that their objections to belief in God and the Christian story yeah. maybe either aren't true or aren't as big as that they think. And so you're really helping to show why you think Christianity is good and true news. Yeah, and it's really important as Christians to know the kind of questions that we're going to be asked. Very much. And, you know, atheist or just agnostic people asking us questions, we need those responses to be able to kind of affirm our faith and then also give reasons why we believe what we do and, Definitely. and why it has, it's true. It has a huge part in building up the life of the Christian. And so mm. if we're dealing with experiences and have being prompted by tough questions and we're trying to think, how do I respond to this? Is what I believe really true? And so apologetics serves to strengthen mm. the foundations of the beliefs that we hold, that we know it is true, even if we don't always feel our faith. Yeah. But it definitely is useful as well in evangelism as people just say, I can't take God seriously or Jesus seriously because look at all the bad things that Christians have done in history or today yeah. or <laughs> what about all the other religions or what about so evil true. and suffering? And all of these things just mean that people don't even take the time to explore the claim Mm. and the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And so, yeah, I think it's an immensely important thing. In 1 Peter 3.15, one of the places where it uses the term apologia, it says, set apart Christ the Lord as holy, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone Mm. who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And this is a challenge that... (laughs) Sometimes we forget the gentleness and we just want to smack them with our Bible. Totally, totally. I say that uh, Christian truth should always be spoken with a Christian accent. You know, you can't say (laughs) Christian truth in a really jerkish way. It's just not going to go down well. So true. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, this is the Apostle Peter challenging all of us to be ready to give an answer. And it may not be, for some of us, a massively high academic ivory tower (laughs) philosopher giant uh, kind of answer but just something that's helpful to the person in front of us why this shouldn't stop them from taking jesus seriously yeah so cool so we're going to throw some questions at you tonight and we'll see how you go answering these these are just ones that just pop up all the time i mean you've been at speaking and speaking engagements recently q a's uh, to youth which is really cool so we'll talk about those questions that they've been talking you know asking and we'll see how we go with that sounds great okay so first question for you tonight dan so you've been talking lots of engagements and and speaking q a's the one that pops up a lot you would say is probably homosexuality and the bible 
Yeah. That would probably be a big one, I'd uh, say, for today's yeah, for the teams. Last, for the last decade or so, um, if you would ask me maybe 10 years ago, what are the big questions that people are asking? It was usually around, well, what's the evidence that Christianity is true and science and faith and you know, yeah. s- suffering, perhaps? These days, the first questions in Q&A nearly everywhere are questions around sex, marriage, and gender, yeah. uh, and whether Christianity really has anything good to say on this topic. And so mm-hmm. there's a few different ways to kind of approach this question. The first is to realize that people with same-sex attraction exist exist. And when you read through the biblical story, yeah. we've got a phenomenal explanation as to why this is the case. We see in Genesis 1 and 2, God creating men and women and his image, making men and women for one another, one man, one woman, one covenant, and then sex being the expression of that covenant, that unity of diversity. Mm-hmm. But come Genesis 3, we have something that theologians call the fall. It's a distortion of God's original design, where now every single human person has broken bodies in some ways, mm. broken minds in some ways, broken desires in some ways. We're no longer as we are intended to be. And so what it means to be able to live faithfully then to our purpose is incredibly important. Now, on the area of sex, um, I'll often get asked by people um, in secular culture and they'll say, well, why do you care if two people, whether two women or two men, um, love each other and want to get married and, and have sex? Why does that bother you? What's the problem with homosexual sex? It's not bothering anyone. It's not hurting anyone. Mm. So how can you say that that's wrong? That's yeah. evil. It's bigoted. It's regressive. It's homophobic on yeah. here. And and to be completely honest, if I started where they begin I would probably come to the same conclusion. If you're a secular person, you don't believe God exists, you believe that we're just here by a random collocation of atoms, then mm. what is moral is just what feels good as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Yeah. In the Christian story, if we step into that for a second, if we are created by a heavenly father who wants us to be his earthly kids, we're here to bear his image. It means that morality actually has some different dimensions to it. Our purpose here isn't just to do whatever makes you happy, so long Mm. as it doesn't hurt anyone else. Our purpose here is to reflect the image of God and to fulfill the reason why he created us. Now, when it comes to sex and marriage, um, these have an incredibly high calling, a high view in the Christian story. Uh, Marriage as given as the trailer to the ultimate story of God's marriage to his people. Mm. So male and female coming together as one flesh is sort of the, you know, when you go to the movies, it's the the trailer. It's the beginning story, my friend Sam calls it, uh, to what is going to be if you want to go and see the ultimate movie, the yeah. whole thing, <laughs> the uh, which is actually in, in Revelation 19 and 20 where Jesus comes down and there is a wedding between yeah. the Christ and his bride, the church. This is the ultimate picture of what human marriage is pointing towards. So marriage has a purpose in imaging God. And sex has a purpose within marriage of being an expression of that indivisible unity, that oneness or the one fleshness that Genesis 2, 24 and 25 goes on to speak about. And this oneness, this indivisibility is the same word that's used to describe the oneness of God. We mm. worship a God who is Father, Son and Spirit, a tri-unity, three persons, one being, three who's, but one what. Um, <laughs> and ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, that the idea of God being able to be divided is the same thing that we talk about when we just say that sex is just a physical act, two mm. people coming together for self-pleasure or mutual pleasure, um, and then that's it. Actually, that's a distortion of the purpose of sex, which is to reflect that indivisibility, that unity, that intimacy um, that the marriage covenant sets up. And so it's because we believe that sex and marriage has a purpose. That's why we look at anything outside of heterosexual marriage Sex in any of those contexts, whether premarital sex, pornography, lust, uh, extramarital sex, adultery, or homosexuality is another another one of these as being 
a deviation from God's intended design. Mm. And so Christians don't look at gay people or people with same-sex attraction and say, you're especially evil when compared to anyone else. In fact, the truth is we're all sexually broken. Yeah. We all don't live out our sexual desires in a way that honors and pleases God or as we're intended to. And as a result of that, all of us need the grace of God that comes in Jesus Christ and need to learn the gift of the Holy Spirit, which allows us to have self-discipline, to say no to those desires and to follow the sexual ethic that Jesus gives us. Yeah, so good. So another question um, that pops up a lot. Um, this is one that just actually pops up on my Facebook newsfeed. My friends who are not Christian um, share videos. And it, it's basically, um, if God is so great, why is there suffering in the world? Yeah. You know, it, there can't be a God because there's bad stuff happening all the time. There's poor kids. There's horrible bugs that eat people's eyeballs out. Why is there stuff like that if God is real? So that's a, another question for you. Yeah, given that, um, <laughs> that video that? that Stephen Fry that's made a little exactly while ago, <laughs> I often get talk about being thrown in the frying pan with oh, this question yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's the most enduring. And for me, it was my biggest barrier to becoming a Christian. Um, mm. We've got some stories of tragedy in my, my family's past that uh, and I just couldn't believe in a God who would allow this kind of suffering. And you ask the question, if God is so great, why is there suffering? And mm. as I had to come to reflect on this, I realized that suffering exists because God is so great. Now, when you think about what you think greatness is, what would you want God to be like? And nearly at the pinnacle of everyone's description of God is, I want God to be loving. Mm. Okay. okay, well, you want God to be loving. What does love involve? And now if God's going to create human beings, as the story of Genesis describes, in his image, and that our ultimate purpose for existence is relational. Mm. Jesus summed up the entire purpose of humanity in two commands, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Mm. It's relational, vertically, and horizontally. But if you're going to have a meaningful relationship, a key component of that is the fact that you have choice, either to be in that relationship or not to be. Um, Imagine if I went and got some degrees in mechatronics and engineering and (laughs) IT, uh, and I was able to invent uh, a phenomenal robot. And it was very human-like. It looked like a woman. It sounded like a woman. But all of her responses were pre-programmed just to be able to do whatever I wanted. Mm. Uh, Now, imagine if I brought her into a church and asked the pastor to marry us, and she says, I love you to me. I do, in response to the vows. Yeah. Would anyone in that service, knowing that she's a robot, pre-programmed to do whatever I want, get warm and fuzzy feelings by seeing her make those declarations? Absolutely not. We wouldn't. We wouldn't because we know intuitively that for love or relationship to mean anything, it has to be freely given, freely chosen by a free agent. Mm. Otherwise, it's just puppetry. Um, And so when God created humans, he could have created us as robots or puppets on strings that only do whatever he wants all the time. But because he wanted love to exist, because God is so great and love is the supreme ethic, he created beings that are capable both of trusting him and loving him in response Mm -hmm. as earthly kids to a heavenly father or breaking faith with him and going our own way. And in the biblical story, this is where evil and suffering come in human experience is by us not trusting the moral boundaries that God set up for us, the good and evil that would lead to our flourishing, Mm -hmm. but instead trying to take that defining power for ourselves by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and so trying to no longer be in that relationship with God. And it's from this point going against the moral grain of God's universe that humans get splintered. Mm. We don't break God's moral laws. We prove God's moral laws, and we got broken in the process. In the same way if I jumped off a roof, 
And I said, I don't believe in gravity. I, I wouldn't break the law of gravity. I would prove the law of gravity <laughs> and my broken body would prove it. You That's know? true. And, and this is the same way that God's moral law worked with the universe. Mm. When we tried to break God's moral laws, in one sense, we only proved their existence, but we were broken by them. And so the Bible describes this fall in Genesis 3 as being the entrance of sin and evil and suffering into the human experience. And it's because God is loving that he allowed that to happen. He mm-hmm. didn't remove our freedom. He didn't stop us from being human. But also the fact that God has such a big response to our suffering. He came to suffer with us in the person of Jesus Christ. He knows what it is to suffer. He expressed his love for us in the midst of our suffering. And he promises one day to take that sting away completely, wiping away every tear from our eyes. Mm. I think Christianity explains suffering in quite a profound, real, raw, honest way. And there's a ton more to say on that. But there's maybe a bit of a window into why suffering exists, even with a loving and powerful God. Amazing. So... As Christians, we go to heaven because of God's grace. doesn't matter if we're good or bad because we accept Jesus. It's just all God's grace that we get to go to heaven. Mm. So with that in mind, why do we need to focus on being good and doing the right thing if we have a, a free ticket to heaven? Like, Yeah, I think it's a great so, yeah. If, just, can um, you treat the Christian story or the gospel just as spiritual fire insurance, you know? Yeah. Go and do everything that you want. Be as hedonistic as you want. Yeah, only Eat, go drink, and be merry. Me. Yeah, because one day uh, I'll be forgiven anyway. And, and I think there's a whole lot of uh, um, maybe points along that where there's helpful ideas to feed in. Now, the whole biblical story is one where God designs human beings for a purpose and to flourish. Mm. That actually, if we live with the moral grain of God's universe, if we live within his moral parameters, it actually leads to our good. Yeah. So if you really want to live the best life, you should follow the teachings of Jesus. Yeah. Um, the whole book of Proverbs is set up on this idea that because there's a moral grain to the universe, if you love God, love your neighbor, if you serve others, that this is actually generally going to result in a, a better life for you. And and the social science backs this up. Whether for teenagers, there's a report released just a couple of weeks ago, or more broadly, the data is out there in Western civilization. Those who have an active faith in Christianity and who participate in the Christian community tend to do better on nearly every marker for well-being that you can imagine, whether wow. social, emotional health, whether financial stability, whether kind of the relational structures that you've got, your own oh, cool. view of identity. Uh, it, there's a really positive correlation between active participation in a healthy Christian community and then your own well-being. So why obey Jesus? It's going to go better for you. It's actually going to be um, really good. <laughs> but it's also going to be That's hard good. for you. Mm. Jesus promises that following him means that there'll be extra opposition and challenge and trial and you have to say no to things which will give you instant pleasure or make you feel good right now, but actually in self-disciplining to get to a, a, a better place down down the track. And I think there's a few reasons why we might want to do that. One, it's the same motivation for anyone would go to the gym, right? Mm. The ends justify the means. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's hard, but I want to look good when I go out with a summer body on the beach. That's right. And so the yeah. ends justify the means. And so um, it's, it's worth it through there. But actually more from a selfless perspective, we've been so loved by God that it would be wrong not to give thanks to him and mm. to love him in response through obedience. Yeah. When it comes to the Christian story, when a person becomes a Christian, Jesus becomes the most important person in your life, the person who's closest to you, the one that you love the most. And it is true then to understand that the evil things that I do, in, whether it's against whoever, doing whatever I do, they cost the life of the person that I love the most. 
And every time I go and do them, it is as though I am crucifying Jesus all over again. It is as though my actions are inadvertently killing the one whom I love the most. And I think when we bring the Christian story into frame in this way, it has such an emotionally transformative effect upon the person who understands it. Mm. I know that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin. And because of that, it means I don't want to go on living in a way that costs him in that way. I don't want to go living a life that is the very reason why he had to do that. I want to live the life that I was designed for. Mm. And so let me finish with this one biblical image. God creates human beings and he gives them moral boundaries. Think of it like a pathway that we're meant to walk on. All of us fall off that pathway. In fact, the existence of the pathway of God's moral law is what points out the fact that we can't live up to it. Mm. And that's why we need Jesus. And Jesus is the one who could walk it perfectly, forgives us for our stumbling, and he restores us to the path. But he wants us to walk on the path. And he wants us to walk on the path again because knowing we won't do it perfectly, that he'll guide us all the way, that he'll forgive us wherever we stumble. He knows that the path leads to our greatest good. He knows that a path leads to others' greatest good because it means we love them in the same way that we love ourselves. Mm. And it also leads to God's greatest glory because we reflect the way in which we were designed. And so for all of these reasons, I just don't think, and this is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans, should we sin all the more so that grace may abound? Just yes. going on living. <laughs> it's like, absolutely not. Yeah. If you've really encountered the grace of God in the gospel, you'll realize you want to live with him. You want to live for him. You want to live for others. You want to live in a way that honors him. And inadvertently, that leads to the best possible outcome for us. Yeah, living your best life. So good. Well, thank you so much for hanging out tonight, Dan. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. See ya. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.